You are listening to Your First 100K, the number one podcast for Christian entrepreneurs, coaches, and business owners who want time freedom and financial freedom so that they can provide for their families, travel the world, and give back to the less fortunate. If that's you, then sit back and stay tuned in because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Joseph Warren. I started my first multi-million dollar business at age 19 and wasted away my 20s trying to find happiness through money, success, and pleasure. I made millions, but I still didn't feel happy or fulfilled until I learned the real secrets of success. So the big question is this, how can Christian entrepreneurs like us who didn't give up on our dreams build a highly profitable six to seven figure business without being unethical, doing it all ourselves and neglecting our family and our faith? Well, that is the question. And this podcast will give you the solutions and strategies you've been looking for. Thanks for spending time with me today. If you're new here, then welcome. I have a free 10-day training waiting for you over at first100k.com. Again, go to first100k.com to grab your free 10-day training. Today, my featured guest is George Pino, and you can find him at cbicommercial.com, cbicommercial.com. Now, George and I were speaking offline, Startup Nation, prior to hitting live and hitting record. And I got to tell you, he's in the commercial real estate space. And even though I was in that space, I didn't do what he did. And half of the stuff he does, I don't even understand, just to be real with you. And I'm guessing you may not not as well, just some of the industry language and jargon. So I asked George if he'd be willing to kind of dumb it down for us so that we get it and to really understand what his message is, which is anyone can get into commercial real estate and it's a viable vehicle for wealth creation in your life, right? In your business as well. So he's going to talk to us about that and make it really simple for us. So George, there's the challenge. Go ahead. Uh, welcome to your first 100K, top 100 podcast in entrepreneurship. Uh, just take two to three seconds, a few sentences. What do you do specifically? Specifically. Okay. Well, Joseph, thanks for having me on the show, first of all. And uh, you know, for myself, I'm actually the managing partner of the commercial brokerage company. Um, Commercial Brokers International, um, but also in addition to that, we have investment companies um, as well as affiliate uh, relationships with a lending company um, that we created. And we were at one point, we had a real estate tech company as well, um, which didn't do as well as we'd hoped, but you know, that's tech. (laughs) Tech could go either way, I'm telling you. Absolutely. All right. So, you got into commercial real estate. Was this a dream when you were a boy or did you kind of fall into it? What happened? Tell us the story. How'd you, you get know, into it? By completely by accident, to be frank with you, okay. um, you know, growing up, my parents, uh, you know, my mom was uh, post-World War II, uh, Japan, uh, you know, going to the black market just to get food kind of thing. My father grew up as an immigrant from uh, Italy. His, his parents were immigrants from Italy. They were coal miners in Pennsylvania, grew up during the Depression, and everything to them was always just always have cash because of that, that mentality. 
And, you know, later on in life, my dad always wanted to do more real estate investing, but my mom was always worried about having that cash on hand. Mm -hmm. So they never invested in there, but I always looked at that and I was talking to my dad about, you know, like, well, what do you see? How do you see that happening? And eventually, you know, I ended up going off to school, staying up in Los Angeles. Um, and I fell into real estate by accident where, you know, I, I've always uh, wanted to be an entrepreneur and, uh, you know, even going to school for that. And uh, when I got out, a friend of mine called me up at the time and said, hey, do you want a summertime gig just answering some phones at a real estate company? And, you know, I was like, you know what, I'll make a quick uh quick couple thousand dollars and just, uh, and work on my own thing on the side. Uh, sure. Why not? And, uh, within a week and a half, they offered me a job there. Um, I was lucky enough to, uh, grow with the company. They, they were on a huge expansion role. So, uh, they brought a couple partners in. I grew with them. I was assigned territories in Texas. I mean, I'm a 22 year old snot nosed kid, you know, <laughs> and, uh, I don't know why they trusted me, but they did. And, uh, but I got a great learning experience from that, you know, so I was assigned territories in Texas, opened up boxes for them uh, in Dallas at Houston first, and then in Dallas. And then also um, I started, uh, that became kind of like my little niche thing to do where I started opening up offices um, around the country. We did one in uh, Boston, New York, Chicago, um, Pleasanton up in Northern California, and we opened up all those offices and I was sent out kind of just to set it all up and then leave. Um, mm. that gave me a really good insight into business itself. Um, a lot more so than what I may have learned in college. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, reality versus theory and, mm -hmm. you know, just seeing how that worked and what to do. And when we started talking about, uh, to some of the owners there, you know, um, one of my very first mentors, um, at the next company we, we had actually went to, um, he always said as a joke, when do real estate agents die or retire? And the punchline was when they die, because they always spend their money that they make right away they, and they don't invest it. And so they're constantly having to work. And he goes, you know what saved me through the downturns in the 90s was all the passive income investments I had around the country. And so I kind of we took that to heart. My business partner and I took that to heart. And, uh, you know, we started off, we scrimped and saved. You know, we put in our we each put in, I think, uh, $25,000 for our first investment. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, this was back in the early mid nineties and, uh, we were able to buy our very first apartment building there. And, you know, from that, we just started buying other apartment buildings. We would do whatever we could. We would refinance out to get cash out to buy other apartment buildings, but we'd also do it very strategically. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, when you have a building, you know, what, how it's performing. Um, especially if you've had it for six months to a year, you're not really going to run into too many big surprises, especially if you've uh, taken into consideration any kind of capital expenditures that may be coming up like a roof replacement. Um, and so you can know what kind of debt you can put on the property without leveraging yourself too high where you're, you know, if you have one or two vacancies, you could be upside down. Um, so we started taking out as much debt as we could off those initial investment, but then buying other properties, using that to capitalize off of that. And literally within, I'd want to say within seven years, um, you know, we owned close to 400 units in the Los Angeles area. 
um, just off that. And we never put in any more money. It was just that initial $25,000 investment. Wow. Um, and, but it was using that, being wise, holding on to the properties. Actually, the biggest mistake we made is, um, I don't know if it was necessarily a mistake. It's probably more of a, I wish we did it differently. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, we sold a lot of the properties as well to create, you know, we, what we do is we try and reposition them and sell them and take the um, equity out and buy something else or buy two properties with that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, ultimately, if we had held on to all those properties and just rented some of those out, because some of those were uh, single family uh, properties that we were repositioning, you know, fixer uppers. Um, if we had held on and rented them out and just held on longer, uh, I think our it would have really expanded the growth um, and the net worth would have been that much more. But at the time, we needed the money to buy other properties. Yeah. So kind of a catch 22. It really is, right? You know, great story. And Startup Nation, you know, many of us were Christians, we're believers, right? We're people of faith. And this reminds me of the Bible uh, parable about the, the, the master and he gives his servants uh, the talents, right? And he says, go and multiply them, right? And, uh, you know, two of them multiply them and they get the reward well done, good and faithful servant. And then the one guy, he buries it. He buries it, man, because he's scared. He doesn't want to take the risk. He doesn't want to make the investment. So he comes, the master comes back home and he gets reprimanded and thrown away, you know, because he didn't take the risk when the opportunity was there. And as you were saying that story, George, I was just thinking, wow, these are guys that took their $25,000 in talents and multiplied it. You know, 10x, 100x, and, and really built something up great. And that's, at the end of the day, I think that's what we're doing in business. We're just multiplying the little we have into more, right? And then hopefully impacting, positively mm -hmm. impacting our lives, our families, and those around us, right? Yep. No, absolutely. And I think that, and the only reason we're really able to do that, I think, is, you know, we looked at these as investments that, you know, nothing to be, attached to, so to speak. You know, I, I think a lot of times an investor, when they first start off, um, you know, it, it's almost like a baby. It's like, I did this. I, you know, we created this and they hold on to it and they may hold on to it forever, which is fine. But if you don't use the equity that you've built in the property to expand, then you're losing a lot of the benefits that you have for investing in real estate. You know, and real estate historically has uh, created more millionaires than any other industry out there. Mm -hmm. And one of the, and there are a lot of tax advantages, um, a lot of advantages for just investing in real estate, but a lot of tax advantages that a lot of people don't take into account and look at. And we always took a look at our investments and we analyzed them. Is this a something that would, you know, is it performing as best as we think it should or could? And if not, is there an alternative out there that can outperform it with? same risk levels, essentially. And so we always did that. And if that was the case, well, then we would look to sell it. Um, you know, uh, the last property that we sold, it was a 72 unit building in uh, Texas that we originally weren't planning on selling. And we started getting all these unsolicited offers. And our original goal was we were going to reposition it, tear it down, redevelop it, add on about another 20, 30 units onto the lot, and then get and then turn around and potentially sell it. Mm -hmm. um, we were getting offers that basically took all of that profit 
right up front, so with no risk. So I mean, for us, yeah. It was, no it, it wasn't, there's was no brainer. Let's sell this. And then we turned around and exchanged that into, uh, exchanged that into, uh, uh, two other properties that, uh, we ended up purchasing two single tenant net lease properties. Um, and, you know, increasing our basis. So we get a little bit, uh, meaning our tax basis. Yeah. So we get better depreciation because, you know, I'm a firm believer that money today is worth more than money tomorrow. So if I can, um, offset my tax payments. I have more cash flow in my pocket right now versus down the road. So that's something that we always look at. And by the way, just, you know, those two properties, I think, um, and, and this will show you kind of the idea of what we're doing. Um, those two properties uh, in total were about eight and a half million dollars that we purchased. That was actually goes, I can trace the lineage of that investment back to the very first property that we had. Uh, which was that $275,000 multifamily building that we purchased for $25,000 each. Um, wow. You know, and that was back in 94, I want to say, 93, probably 94. So you're, just um, to clarify, the la the most recent deal you did is a multiplier of, or an outcome of your very first investment. Absolutely. Look at that. So that, that first investment is still multiplying even till present Absolutely. day. How cool is that? Absolutely. No, I, I, I think that's the beautiful part about, you know, real estate in general is yeah. that if you treat it as an investment and look at it as a straight investment and you analyze what's happening with the marketplace and um, if there are other investments that might be better, then those are, you know, it, it, you can multiply it and use that, you know, this was, Originally, you know, I still remember it was a 10 unit apartment building um, on uh, Ridgely 2309 South Ridgely. We bought for $275,000 back in 94. And, uh, you know, from that, we ended up selling that, buying a property in the 72 unit building in Texas. Um, and then that we just ended up selling recently um, and exchanging that into two other properties. So, it can definitely be a multiplier if you're using those strategies. At the same time, mm -hmm. I can tell you if I held on to that property right now at this day um, and just held on to it and banked it out, I probably have about four million in assets, uh, maybe three in the area that it's in, about three hundred thousand a door uh, for uh, you know ten unit apartment building. Yeah. Um, so by using the strategies, you can actually increase quite a bit. That's so cool. All right. So for the listener right now, that's, you know, they clicked on this episode because it's about commercial real estate investing and maybe they're interested in getting into it, but they have no idea where to start. They don't speak the language, right? They don't know the risk to take. They have a little stockpile of money, some savings, like maybe your initial 25K or whatever that you guys had each. And they're like, you know, I know I should put it into something because right now my money is losing money in the bank, uh, you know, and, and where's a place I can multiply my money? So what would you say to that person who's right there? They have a little nest egg of money. They want to make it work for them. They want their money to make them money. Um, where do they start? What's your one, two, or three steps for them? One, two, or three steps. Uh, three steps process. Number one, really understand what you're getting into. Don't just take the word of uh, uh, people that are out there. I mean, you have different uh, access opportunities for investments. Um, you can play off of a sponsorship by going into, um, you know, like a, 
a DST or a tick or a REIT type situation where you're playing off of a sponsor who has a lot more um, experience, but you're also giving up control and potentially liquidity. Um, so, you know, that can be a good fit for someone that may only have $20,000, $30,000 to look at. Uh, and then uh, just because price points nowadays have gotten so much higher. But really start understanding the marketplace, what you can do, how you can go about it. More importantly, have a business plan. You know, understand what your goals are, what you're going to try and accomplish. Not, and the business plan shouldn't be just to buy the property. What are you going to do with that property? You know, what's your hold period or what we call an investment horizon? Um, you know, are you planning on holding it for two years, three years, five years, forever? And if so, what's your business plan to do that, to accomplish it so that when you get to the end of your hold period, you can either sell it or refinance it or do whatever you plan on doing with it. So really having a full business plan, an idea of what you're wanting to do, I think is the key uh, and the, one of the main steps. All right. So thank you for that. Now, when you got started and you partnered up with your business partner, Joe Killinger, we had him as a guest on this show previously. Yes. Cool guy, liked him. Um, and you guys came together. You did this deal, 25000 a piece. You got into it. Now, I'm guessing you both have different opposing strengths and weaknesses, right? And so who's the numbers guy and who's the deal maker? Yeah. <laughs> Good question. Um, I am definitely the numbers person. I guess <laughs> that. Agree to that 100%. Uh, I am uh, definitely the numbers person. I tend to also be, uh, just from my background with my parents and everything, I tend to be a little bit more risk adverse mm -hmm. on how I do it. I'm relatively conservative. Um, I can say that on the real estate side, you know, knock on wood, we haven't um, lost any money on the investments, but we probably missed out on a few sure. um, that we could have done well just because we're looking at it and it, you know. Did you ever overanalyze a deal too much and that's why you missed it? I don't think I overanalyzed it so much. It's more about not having a crystal ball. Got it. And yeah. so, you know, I, I, I'm a big buff of history, so I know that history repeats itself. Mm -hmm. But, you know, at the same time, when you're looking at properties and you're trying to uh, potentially find the market, so to speak, it's hard to do that. And so when we saw some investments come up, you know, we're expecting that a downturn in the marketplace. And so we held off or we did our underwriting was a little bit more conservative. So we missed out on those. Um, you know, and that goes back, you know, there's an old saying, you know, all boats rise in a flood, right? Or a rising tide. And so, you know, in an up market, it's really easy to do that. And, and just buy and hold and hope. But if you're holding on to the property and you're looking for true investment strategies down the road, you know, you're predicting not just what's happening in the next year or two, but you're trying to predict what's going to happen in five, six, seven, ten years. And it's very difficult to do that. So we've, you know, I think we've locked out on some deals that way. Um, but at the same time, I think we've made some pretty wise choices as well. That's awesome. Um, on, on properties. All right, so Joe's the deal maker. You're the numbers guy. Together, it's a great marriage um, in business. And do you recommend that as far as someone who's looking to get into commercial real estate that they partner up, buddy up with someone who uh, 
if they're the numbers person and conservative, then they need a deal maker. And if they're the deal maker, then they need someone who's the numbers person who's conservative. Is that what you recommend or something else? You know, I, I've always said that if you're going to partner with somebody that you should be able to do the work of three people. Otherwise there's no sense in partnering with them. You want to have complementary um, uh, skill sets, preferably. Um, and again, if not, then you don't, there's no real reason to partner. Um, but you also, a lot of times what people don't realize is that this is just like getting into a marriage in some cases, even more so um, in that it's a long-term relationship potentially. And you have to be on the same page of what you're trying to do and trying to accomplish with the investment. If someone's just looking for quick investments, then you have to worry about, you know, like, well, is that going to fit my investment strategy as well? The other concern that you want to bring up or take into consideration with any kind of partnership is what happens if somebody needs to get out Mm -hmm. of the partnership. So, you know, way back in the day, um, you know, for, I think the first, Ooh, 15 years of our partnership, we didn't have a partnership agreement. Whoa. Um, you know, well, we're my, my rookie, business partner, rookie Joe, moves here, George. Rookie moves. Pretend, yeah. But here's the thing you know, my business partners from a small town in Nebraska, 281 people. So you can trust them. It's and, all about well, the handshake. Yeah, well, they spit on the hand, do the it, handshake. It, Exactly. I grew up in a military family, which is essentially small town as well. Yeah. And both of both his dad and my dad used to say the exact same things to us. And it was, you know, you're only as good as your word and people will forget all the good you did if you screw them over one time. Oh, yeah. So don't ever do that. And so, you know, it was our word. It was just, you know what, this is our handshake. This is what we're going to do. And uh, so when we started getting a little bit larger, our attorney started freaking out that we didn't have a partnership agreement. You think? <laughs> you think? And then, but also when you're young, you don't think about like what happens when, right. you know, if you're going to, if, if someone passes or if somebody, you know, yeah. you're not thinking that I'm going to get sick and not be able to continue, or mm-hmm. I'm going to need to tap into this equity that we built. You don't think about any of that until you get a little bit older as well. You know, you're indestructible when you're in your twenties. Uh, and 30s, in theory. I can relate. Uh, I was still, I was still doing it in my 40s, but that's just me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, and, George. Uh, so, 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 yeah, really cool so conversation on on the partnership there. Thank you for giving us some uh, just things to really consider, uh, regardless of the industry you're getting into, Startup Nation. Um, if you're looking to partner, I think George gave you some good advice there, right? So he's a fan of history. History always repeats itself. Um, and I applied that to the partnership. Like, really know your partner's history. Like, who are they? Where did they grow up? What What are the belief systems they grew up with? Yeah. Do they align with the belief systems you grew up with? Or, or are they in conflict that? Because that will come out eventually. This is very important. It's the Absolutely. same thing with choosing a spouse. You know, like when I chose Absolutely. my wife, man, I wanted Absolutely. to know, like, how was she raised? I want to meet the parents, right? Like, like, what are the beliefs they taught her about, like, for example, in a marriage when there's conflict? How did they do conflict resolution in her family, right? What did she, was she exposed to? I don't want to be with someone where they all yelled at each other like crazy mm-hmm. Sicilians, right? My, half my family's Sicilian. And, uh, right? And the yelling and the shouting and that. 
I don't like that. I'm a very that peaceful. Might as well, Joseph. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a peace. I'm a peaceful individual, you know. So uh, that was important, right? So I just want to say that to you, Startup Nation. Really choose your partners well, uh, both personal partnerships as well as business partnerships. That's very valuable. So we're speaking with George Pino. He's been teaching us, um, you know, what to do if you, Startup Nation, want to invest in commercial real estate. Like he's teaching us how the one, two, three. Uh, so we're really grateful to him uh, for that. Now, George, give us your number one marketing strategy that has helped you find those needle in the haystack profitable deals. You know, a good question, actually. Um, you know, the, the profitable deals, I when I look at real estate um, and I talk to clients, I always tell them that I am geographically agnostic. However, I'm extremely location driven. And what I mean by that is almost anywhere in the United States, you can find a good property. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, you don't have to go to a major metro to find it. There's always that little star property, but it's really understanding the um, basics of that real estate or just the fundamentals of real estate, you know, and everyone's heard the, the first one, location, location, location. Um, so what we do is when we're looking at properties, we're delving into it. I, I mean, I, my team and I, I mean, we probably look through about a hundred, hundred to 200 properties a day um, of which, and, and this is primarily for our clients, but also for my ourselves. Um, of which for our clients, I may find five I like a week. You know, so, mm. you know, out of a thousand properties, anywhere from 500 to a thousand properties, I'm finding five, maybe eh, anywhere from five to 10 that I really like. And, you know, almost always they sell very quickly. So the other aspect is really create your relationships, create who you work with. I have a pretty good network throughout the United States um, of different brokers that list properties. And, you know, I see a lot of properties off market or that are coming to market. Mm -hmm. um, so we're getting first looks at those because they know that we can perform. They know that mm -hmm. we have performed with them, that we've closed, we've kept in touch with their relationships, let them know what we're doing, what we're involved with. It's all about communication. I mean, I can tell you that, you know, for the listeners that are out there, if you're working with an agent, number one, Choose one agent because it will give you a bad name if there's multiple agents calling around for the same thing. And they, we all talk. It's not it, it, as big of an industry it is. It's still a small town, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, and uh, that will end up getting. But more importantly, when you do choose that agent, communicate with them. Let them know if you're, you know, even if it's negative, if you're pulling back, you're deciding not to invest. Um, or if you're changing your investment criteria, lowering it or raising it, you've got to communicate that. Um, because if there's not that communication going back and forth, they don't know what to look for for you. So what um, I've just heard so, you say, George, is that in order to be successful as an investor in commercial real estate, you have to be uh, really intentional about investing in the relationships around you. Right. So we're investing in those business absolutely. relationships because those are the people that are going to bring you the sweetheart deals right before everyone mm -hmm. else scoops them up. Right. Yeah. So you really you've positioned yourself as as a go to authority within your industry, it sounds like. So you get the you get the first choice, the first look at some of the deals before it goes out to the public. Right. Is that about right. 
Try to. I, you know, I, I mean, it's not all of them, obviously, but, um, you know, we, we have a good group of uh, agents that we work with, you know, and, and if I'm looking for something specifically, I will reach out and say, you know, hey, here's what I'm looking for. Do you have anything coming up that you can let me know about ahead of time? So it's not just a one way street. It's us communicating out to them um, and, and vice versa, letting them know what we are looking for so that they know what's out there. And also, you know, even though we're brokers, I don't represent myself. Um, I always let the other agent on, on our own acquisitions, you know, try and let the other agent do the representation, do it um, so that, you know, my deal is I'm not trying to save pennies and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to stumble over dollars to pick up pennies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm uh, my focus is keep your eye on what 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 the goal is, which is the investment property and acquiring the investment property. So, you know, if that means that, you know, even if you're an agent giving up a commission that's not part of the deal. Just the investment is mm-hmm. concentrate on the investment. And, you know, so that's what we always look at. Well, I think that's important, right? It's the same thing in your business. Like keep your eye on the vision. Don't get caught up on all the details, right? You could hire out a lot of those details, be willing to pay people to handle the details. If you're a business owner, the minutia, the stuff that sucks your life and mm-hmm. energy and really focus on the vision. What's that vision that you're creating in the world with your business. All right, Startup Nation, we've been speaking with George Pino. This guy's rocking it. Look at him go. All right, George. Uh, You can find him at cbicommercial.com, cbicommercial.com. George, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the hustle round. You know, as a commercial real estate deal maker, you should like the hustle. All right, I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. It's like a game show. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. What's your favorite thing about investing in commercial real estate properties? You know, uh, actually making the deal happen. Uh, it's the funnest thing. Awesome. It's putting it together, especially when someone thinks you can't do it. Oh, yeah. Challenge accepted. What's your least favorite thing? Ooh. Uh, a lot of times dealing with the tenants. <laughs> Those pesky cash flow people. I believe, George, we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of being human. What are you currently challenged with or struggling with, either professionally or personally, right now in your life? You know, uh, I think a challenge I've always had has been time management. Mm. You know, and it's more about uh, having a healthy life balance, so to speak. Um, I've been working a little bit better on that, getting better doing that, uh, spending more time. You know, I, I, when I was younger, I, you know, it was the workhorse, you know, you're, you're doing that, but those are habits that are hard to break. So you wake up at, you know, five in the morning, start reading the paper, start going over the news, start figuring out what's going on. Now it's like pull back a little bit and start enjoying the actual Mm -hmm. time, the family and everything else a little bit more. So, so trying to make more time for that. Got it. What are you most afraid of? Good question. I haven't really thought about it. I'd say, yeah. Other than the obvious spiders. uh, (laughs) Arachnophobia, folks. Uh, Not not, not quite that bad, but still. It's, they're not, I I actually had to get over the arachnophobia because, you know, my daughter is really afraid of spiders. And guess who she looked to her? Ah, Kill them. (laughs) 
Brilliant. Well, I had to get over that. You had to put on the cape. <laughs> you had to put on the cape and save her. Meanwhile, you're like crying on the inside. Oh. Yep. Basically. All right. <laughs> what, did you, what did you spend way too much time doing your first year in this business? Your first year. Too much time doing. Um, no, I would say that I'm probably looking, overanalyzing properties the first year, uh, being afraid to actually pull the trigger. Man, I called you out on that earlier and you're like, no, I didn't. You did. <laughs> well, no, okay, but that was the first year. I haven't done it since. <laughs> it's like i know you george i know you what secret fear do you have about people about people yeah. uh you know i don't i don't think i do have any real fears about people i mean i love people in all their aspects i love actually sitting down talking to them uh you know it, it, it's it's funny because i used to be very much of an introvert uh, growing up in high school and uh, but getting out there I love hearing people's stories from all walks of life so I mean I don't think I because I think everyone has something some sort of story that they can share that everyone can pull something out of yeah fair enough what do you wish you had learned sooner in business hold and not sell hold and not okay. sell not yeah having sell. the patience the Yep, having the patience. And then the other thing I have actually, and kind of goes against the having the patience, and I have this up on my wall. Um, of all things, it's a fortune cookie, but it comes from, it's a quote from Sun Tzu, um, which was, you know, a good plan violently executed today is better than a perfect plan executed tomorrow. So, you know, I, I was, you know, growing up, I actually had a very much a math and engineering background. I started off college as a computer science major everything had to be perfect. And I realized that there really is no perfection. Um, so if you have a good plan and you just go forward and you execute it as with as much vigor um, uh, as you can, it's usually better than waiting for that perfect plan to show up. How long has that uh, fortune thing up, been up there on your wall? Yeah, <laughs> about 12 years. All right, that's a really old fortune cookie. Ta-da! It is. All right. What's a new habit you're going to create this year? <laughs> Probably working out more, uh, which is, I mean, I, I used to, I, I went through, uh, I used to work out quite a bit. Um, I had to pull back quite, um, quite a bit just from old age, getting some issues. Uh, you know, yeah. I had to have a C2, C3 laminectomy. Uh, and my knees are shot from working out for so, so much, but now it's, now I'm, uh, I, I've made the decision to finally actually just get, try and get back in somehow. There you so go. Just have to modify it. Do you're sports the, that I'm not really as interested in. You're the million dollar man, bionic. Here we go. If you remember that reference, what's a bad habit you're going to I break? I do remember it. I do remember it. What's a bad habit you're going to break? Oh, bad habit I'm going to break. Uh, ooh. Well, it kind of falls along the same lines. Staying up late and snacking late. I hear you, bro. I get that one. Pick three words to describe who you are now, George. Uh, I think I'm a teacher. 
Mm -hmm. uh, leader. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd like to think, although, eh, <laughs> third one's kind of tough. Uh, I was, you know, I. Uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with this I'm gonna go with decisive just to mess with you. Yeah. <laughs> and decisive. And decisive. You know, one of the things one of the things I we've always believed in, Joe and I, um, yeah. you know, we have uh, you know, like this mug says Pono Asset Management. It's a company that we have. Yeah. And you know, Pono is the Hawaiian word that uh really doesn't have a direct English translation, but it uh ultimately the best translation is to do the right thing. Nice. Um, so all of our investments, we've always looked to try and do the right thing within the community. And the way we look at it as well is if we can improve the community um, that we've invested in, it's mm -hmm. a win-win for everybody, yeah. you know, because ultimately our real estate will also go up. So we're always looking to try and give back to the community in one shape or another, whether it's mentoring, you know, we started a non-profit uh, called Wire Foundation, which is women in real estate, because we realize that uh, for uh, women getting into commercial real estate or in real estate in general, other than residential real estate, it's very difficult. And yet they rock it. They usually kick butt when they're in. Because the they're industry. all about relationships, yo. Yeah. And, and, and they do very well, but at the yeah. same time, they don't know how to get in. So we yeah, have yeah. that. We mentor um, young kids coming to come in. So we're always trying to give back some sort, something within the community. Um, you know, even our multifamily deals, we uh, had started, it was uh, when we were doing a lot of the multifamily, we had a company called Learning Link Centers, where we would uh, take one of the apartments off the market. These are all low income neighborhoods. So we would take apartment off the market and we would convert it to what we call a resource center, put in computers, mini library, books and games, internet service. Um, and then we would discount the rent of a percentage of the unit to bring in accredited school teachers. For exchange in the discount rent, they were two to the kids four days a week, two and a half hours a day. Dude, that's and, so cool. And you know what? We went into it thinking, here, here, here's, the, here's the crazy part. We went into it thinking, you know what? There are people that will invest alongside us, but a lot of investors were just looking at the bottom line. Yeah, the but when you put a cause like that to it, to an investment, yeah. man, you're going to attract the right partners, I think. Well, you know, the, the irony of it was that we actually ended up doing better. Of course. Because, you know, these were neighborhoods where, I mean, the, one of the apartment buildings, uh, you know, we had 52 units in Los Angeles um, right across the street from a uh, elementary school. That elementary school had a 60% attrition rate. So 60% mm. of the students that started the year didn't finish the year. Which means that, you know, if it's high school, there can be dropouts. But elementary, it's they're moving. It's mm -hmm. a very transitional neighborhood. And it was considered one of the worst neighborhoods in Los Angeles. Um, after we started this program, it actually stabilized the buildings. We had less move-outs, so our make-ready costs dropped. Our maintenance costs dropped because people start looking at this as this is no longer transitional. This is my home. So they start mm -hmm. taking care of the building better. How so cool it that? actually worked out, and we had less vacancies. And it worked out, so it was a win-win for everybody. Even though we took units off the market and discounted rent, we still made more money. So, I mean, it was a great model that worked really well. We just ran out of kids because it actually worked too well. 
George, you saved the best for last, man. Like you, you, the cause and the, your heart in the matter of your business, right? All right, Startup Nation, yep. figure out how to pono your business. You got to pono <laughs> it, man. Pono it. Do the right thing. What's a way, what's a new possibility you can do in your industry, in your vertical that really does the right thing in your local community and adds value and makes it better all around. All right, we're going to wrap up here. Uh, George, last question. If you could come back to life after you died, look your family, your friends, your wife, your kids in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about true success, what would you say to them? Uh, exact same thing I've told my kids from day one. You know, follow your passion, do what you're passionate about, and you'll never work a day in your life. Um, so, you know, my son is a pilot. He's wanted to be a pilot since he was 10 years old. Uh, you know, our, my daughter, she just graduated from Oklahoma University, student athlete. Um, but she, you know, has since high school wanted to get into forensic psychology and psychology. Um, so she's doing that. They're just follow your passion. Just do what you're passionate about and you'll never work a day in your life. I dig it. All right. This is the part of the show where you get to give Startup Nation a homework assignment. What is one action they must take this week in order to grow their business? What do you got? Reach out. Again, going back to relationships, reach out to other people that may help you grow your business, but also find out what will help grow their business. And I think you can create synergies that way. You know, look, talk to people, whether, you know, what, what are you looking for? What are you, what are they looking to get out of this relationship? What kind of deal, so to speak, that can be structured or created? Find out, make contact, go reach out and find someone else that you can both have a symbiotic relationship and both help one another. Awesome advice. All right, Startup Nation, get to it. Go do your homework already. Don't give it to the dog. Go do it yourself. All right. Do you love this show? Do you love your first 100K? Is it helping you in your life and your business? I mean, we don't just teach business strategies. We teach life principles, right? So that you can be happy in all areas of your life, not just in the money category. So if you like the show, go write a, a five-star review. You could do it at uh, iTunes, uh, Stitcher Radio, or just go to first100k.com. That's first100k.com. And if I like your review, I'm going to give you a shout-out live on the show like I'm about to do right now for Sweet Path Girl. Sweet Path Girl, thank you for your five-star review. She writes, hands down, the best podcast I've listened to is First 100K. Joseph packs so much value in his interviews and has incredible guests that share not only from the heart, but amazing action-packed content. Whether you are a Christian or not, it's worth your time and your life and business. It's worth your time and your life and business will thank you. So, George, thank you for being on your first 100K. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life. But where does Startup Nation go to find you, man? You know, easiest way is, uh, you've, you've mentioned it before, the cbicommercial.com is our website. Um, pretty accessible. Uh, I love uh, giving advice or helping anyone starting off. Um, the other advice I would say that uh, if I can end this with, uh, with that is, there are no dumb questions, especially when you're starting off. So don't be afraid to ask them. 
That's it. In my business, there's no dumb questions, only dumb people. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. <laughs> All right, George. Thanks for being on the show, man. Have a blessed day. God love you, brother. You know, thank you, Joseph, for having me. This was awesome. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on a bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently, like be done with the addiction, be done with the medications, be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids. We lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.